Thanks, my brother. As people say from time to time, that's my brother from another mother. <laughs> Pastor Mark and I have uh, gotten to spend some time together, and I have thoroughly enjoyed his company. And I pray that you are praying for the champagnes. You have some wonderful people and your pastor and your pastor's wife as they minister day in and day out. And I just want to encourage you to pray for them because we need it as pastors. We need the prayers of the righteous. We need the prayers of the people of God. That's so, so important. I'm glad to be back here with you for this time in God's word. And it's always my joy to come to a place where the word of God is honored. The word of God is Prize. The word of God um, is something that is needed and wanted and desired and believed. So I want to share with you some things from God's word that have um, touched my heart over these last couple of years. And I just want to share them from my heart and prayerfully it will be able to minister to you as, as well. Some time ago, I was reading, uh, and I came across a gentleman named Philip Yancey. You may be familiar with him. And he wrote in Christianity Today, he noted that although 71% of Americans believe in an afterlife, no one talks about it. Percentages don't uh, apply to eternity, of course, but for the sake of argument, he says, I assume that 99% of our existence will take place in heaven. Isn't it a little bizarre that we simply ignore heaven acting as if it doesn't matter? His point out, he points out that year after year in the Reader's Digest, periodical literature contains few, if any, articles devoted to the subject of heaven. There are many articles devoted to uh, old age, to death, uh, out-of-body experiences, but unlike previous eras, few books or magazines or ma magazine articles have been appearing about heaven. He answers this question or with this thought with why. Why is it that way? He says, number one, affluence has given us in this life, what former generations long for in anticipation of heaven. Two, a creeping paganism invites us to accept death as the culmination of life on earth. Three, older images of heaven, the biblical ones, have lost their appeal. Walls of emeralds and sapphire and jasper and streets of gold and pearl, pearly gates may have inspired those of the past times in the Bible, but they don't mean very much to the world that we live in. Yancey concludes with this. To people who are trapped in pain, in economic chaos, in hatred and fear, to these heaven offers a promise of a time far longer and more substantially than this time on earth of health and wholeness and pleasure and peace. If we do not believe that, then as the Apostle Paul noted, there is not much reason for us being a Christian in the first place. 
It grabbed me. We've been through some difficulties these last couple of years in dealing with uh, COVID and all the other different viruses and viruses. And, and, and now, even as we speak this morning, the issue of mental health and how are people coping with life and coming out of their homes and, and dealing with all the stuff that's going on. And it seems like you, 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 it's like we almost want to lose our minds because of the chaos and the pressure and the things that's going on all around us. It's like, what do I do? How do I make it? How do I press on? How do I keep going? I think some young people phrased it this way some time ago. I'm about to lose my mind up in here, up in here. <laughs> I mean, how do you keep it all together? I, I was thinking about how did uh, I keep it together? How did many of the other pastors, and I've had conversations with them, how did they keep it all together when all of this happened? Life can be such that you just want to run for cover. You want to go and hide. You want to just not be seen. But is that what God wants us to do? So I want to share with you a few things out of this text this morning that I think will be very helpful to the Christian and even to the non-Christian to think about what is life. So this morning I've entitled this message, Jesus, keep me from losing my mind. Right, that would speak to all of us in some way, right? I like what H. Enoch said, the one who has come to trust in the salvation of Jesus for his soul will be content to rest in the revelation of Jesus for his mind. I love it. You got If we have Jesus, we can make it. If we have Jesus, our minds can still be able to function properly in a chaotic world. So open your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look in this passage to find out from the Apostle Paul how he wants us to be encouraged to maneuver, manage, get through, have victory, be victorious in the Christian life as we live this life on earth that is becoming more and more chaotic. Is, is it just me? It's just me. When I turn on television, I want to turn it off. I mean, thing after thing after thing is happening with our economy and our uh, leadership and politics and viruses and wars and all this kind of stuff. And you just want to say, man, I just unplug it, you know, just go. Just. So until Jesus comes, what are we to do? How do we keep the right perspective? How do we keep going? How do we fulfill the Great Commission and tell others about Christ and not be fearful? Well, I think the Apostle Paul helps us in this passage. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, it says this. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things which are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things on earth. 
For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also will appear with him in glory. There are three keys I want to give you this morning out of this passage, which enables the believer to keep their mind healthy through Christ on earth by looking at eternity, by looking at heaven. Now, I'm a biblical counselor, but I'm no psychiatrist, no psychologist. I'm a biblical counselor. And I deal with people and all their different issues, and I always take them back to the word of God because I believe the word of God is sufficient to deal with the problems of life that the believer faces. Someone said this. In order to be any earthly good, we must be heavily minded. And you, you've probably heard some other sayings. Well, you're so heavily minded you're, that you're no earthly good, right? You may have heard it that way, but, but that's not true. In the life of the Christian, as Paul shares in this passage, in order to be, any, uh, be effective on this earth, you've got to be heavily minded, As we look at this passage today, I want to encourage you by looking at the word of God today. Because of our pandemic, because of all the things that are going on, millions of people are alarmed, they're frightened, they're afraid, they're struggling, they're trying to get through these things. So I want to offer to you this morning as a Christian, as a believer, maybe you may, be, may not be a Christian this morning, but I want to try to give you something from God's word that gives the Christian hope. That's why we make it. That's how I was able to make it. That's how you can make it. The first one I want, to, want you to see in verse 1 is this. We need to follow after the things that are important. The older I get, the more I become aware of that everything that I thought was so important is not as important anymore. Am, am I alone? Is the other? You remember when we were young, we thought this was important. That was important. We got to have this. We got to have that. We got to be doing this. We got. And as you get older, all you want to do is find a chair. You just want to find <laughs> a chair and some rest. And just want, but all those other things used to keep us so busy. Paul reminds us this morning spiritually that there are some important spiritual things that we need to give our attention to and the other things need to fall under it, but we're not to let the other things become the priority of our lives. And that will drive you nuts. You remember when you were trying to do so many different things and you had to get anything done? Paul says to us, a priority. this is a priority. Follow after the things that are important. In other words, make Christ your priority, which gives directions, direction to the mind. 
You see, he's the only one that can keep you from losing your mind. Jesus can. He's the only one. I like this quote from John R. Stott, who said this. One of the highest and noblest functions of man's mind is to listen to God's word. And so to read his mind and think his thoughts after him. You know what sustains the Christian is being in God's word. Day in and day out, having those daily devotions. You see, because that will sustain you. That will give you what you need. We look at verse one, follow after the things which are important. The first thing he says, if you've been raised with Christ, that's talking about salvation. It's talking about salvation. It's talking about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You see, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Romans 10, 17, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's talking about you have to have a personal relationship with Christ. If you have been risen with Christ, Christ is the key. You got to have Christ in your heart, in your mind. You can't do it any, any other way. He goes on, he says, seek the things which are above. Not only do you have to have a personal relationship with Christ, but you also have to pursue the virtues of Christ. Seek those things which are above. It's continuous. It needs to be a lifestyle. So we must always be pursuing the things of Christ. Doesn't it say in Matthew 6.33? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What he's talking about, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear. All these things will provide, be provided for you um, from Christ. So you don't need to worry about anything. You need to make him the priority. Seek him first, his kingdom. His virtues. You know what the Christian has been blessed with? The, upon salvation, when you know Christ is your Lord and Savior, you and I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing we will ever need in life. Listen, listen to this, Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has passed us, has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. When we came to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, we got everything we will ever need to be victorious in this earthly life. We got it all. Seek those things which are above. Those things that characterize God. We, we think of our salvation. We think of our, our sanctification. We think of our glorification. In Galatians uh, chapter 5, we see 
some virtues that are very important to us to, see, to uh, understand. And Galatians 5, you're familiar with this, is the fruits of the Spirit, right? Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against us there is no law. These are virtues. We're seeking those things which are above. Also, in verse 1, not only do we have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, not only do we are to continuously seek the virtues of Christ, the things of the Christian life, but we must recognize the power of Christ, the power of Christ. Right. Well, Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's the power of Christ. Well, we see Christ lifted up because of his accomplishment on the cross, his death, burial and resurrection, fulfilling his mission, his atoning mission. God, the father rewarded him to be able to sit at the right hand, a place of honor. Because Christ is. Preeminent. He has great power. How does he have great power? Colossians 1. In Colossians 1, 15 and following, you see the preeminence of Christ. You see his power. You see his, mag- his magnificence. It says in Colossians 1, 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Here it is. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Power of Christ. We got to think about those things which are most important. This is a true story. In Texas around the mid 70s, almost to uh, 1980, it was in the newspaper down in Texas about a lady who needlessly lost her life. The story goes on as the reporter writes this this uh, article. He says, interviewing the family, he said, my mother did not climb the tree with us. She lost her way before we got to the tree. You see, she always kept every little bill and slip and all kinds of stuff in her purse. And so when it came to this great Flood that had come into our little country town, she would not let go of her purse with all those papers in it. It was revealed that the family was trying to make a chain, holding hands to get through the waters. But the mother had her insurance papers and everything in her hands and would not drop those documents 
to hold the other hand, and so she got washed away. I tell you that because you got to make sure that you keep the priority of God number one priority. That what's most important? There are many things in this life that are not important. In order for us to keep our minds together, we got to make sure we make what Jesus has for us most important. Paul goes on. He gives a second thing. In, verses, in verse 2, we see this next key. This next key is forget about the things that do not matter. We have to prioritize Christ and knowing him and the things to follow after Christ. But we need to forget about the things that don't matter. Come on now, talk to me this morning. You know, there are things you thought mattered. I mean, as we would say at times, fighting things. I'm going to fight on this the hill I'm going to die on. I bet all, some of those same old things you're not willing to die on at all now. Why? Because there's been a change. There's been a shift in your mind. Is that that really doesn't even matter to me anymore. <laughs> See, some people, you know, as we go through this life, the world wants to press upon us what we got to have. You, if, if, see, some people say, boy, if I, I got to live this life because I got to get that dream home. I got to get that dream job. I got to get that dream house. I got to get them dream kids. I got to get all these three. These things are the most important things in life for me. And you keep living and you say, oh, no. I... <laughs> Let that stuff go. You see, Paul wants to remind us there are things we need to just forget about and let go of. I like what Charles Haddon Spurgeon said. He said this concerning this matter. When filled with holy truth, the mind rests. Do you know there's a comfort to God's word that keeps us in check? that helps us stay on track when we're off track, when we go going to the left or to the right. It wants us to be dead center on Christ and says, no, 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 come back over here. It's kind of like what, what's going on in our world today, right? You know, this new thing is like, wait for it. Wait for it. Paul says, forget about the things that don't matter. He says in verse 2, set your mind on the things above, not on things on the earth. You know how we get so tied to this earth and the things of the earth? We think they mean a whole lot, but in the end, they don't mean anything. Forget about the things that do not matter. In other words, leave your past way of thinking behind for the right kind of thinking brings freedom to the mind to, ex to experience the glory of Christ. Hmm. When you and I leave here this morning, we get to our cars, there's a fundamental truth that we must understand. 
you can only be going in one direction. You could either go backwards or you could go forwards. But you can't go back and forth at the same time. Right? It's, it's, it's very important that we must put this in the spiritual realm of things. Some things of the past, you got to let go. They haven't done anything for you. Paul wants us to see and realize here that God's word is the stabilizer for us. Why? I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures. I know I've got a ton of them back there for you. But in Joshua 1.8, Joshua 1.8, that famous Old Testament verse that we learned in Sunday school and learned as we were younger, it's still a great verse to this day. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law should not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Why, why, why? So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Why, why, why? For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have a good success. If you want victory on your life, through the ups and downs and trials in this world, it begins with looking into God's word, studying God's word, meditating on God's word. You know that word meditate in, in this particular verse is like, you know, when you're out in the roof fields and you're heading to the country and you see that, that cow over there just chewing on the, on the grass and the stuff like that. And, and, and then the cow just chews and chews. And, and then the great thing about the cow, you know, he, they chew on it and, and they don't always digest it totally. They can just swallow it. They swallow it. So then when they want a snack, <laughs> they get a little more hungry, they bring it back up. Really, that's the Hebrew word. It's that, it's that pondering and meditate. So then you get the word of God in you so that when you need it, be right back there for, to fulfill that. Right? <laughs> Forget about the things that do not matter. Paul said in Philippians 3, I'll do that. In Philippians 3, looking at his life, Paul was not always a preacher of the gospel. He was not always a man who loved God and, and pursued the things of God. Paul had his struggles. But you know what Paul learned in his life? Paul learned this in his life, Philippians 3, 12. He says this, not that I have already obtained this or already have become perfect. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made, made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have been that, that uh, I do not consider that I have made it on my own. But one thing I do, here it is, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, you can read about Paul's testimony in, in uh, 1 Timothy where he talks about what he was. And how by the grace of God, God saved them. And, and so he begins to hint about what his past life was. He couldn't stay there in the past. He had to forget about that. He had to, kept, he had to keep on pressing on. Forget about the things 
the path. Set your mind on things above. We have to keep this mindset. So that, therefore, we must make sure our minds stay on heaven. Our minds stay on heaven. I think we sung this a little bit earlier today, but I like what Paul does here in 2 Corinthians first, uh, chapter 4, verse 7, where he talks about how even when trials and tribulations come our way, how he still pressed on. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and following. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the, that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. For we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, right? But not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. What a perspective. Paul reminds us we got to let the, the earthly things go. He says we got to maintain our heavenly perspective. We need to have heaven on our mind. We need to get rid of the worldly perspective. The worldly perspective is found in 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Love not the world, neither things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, right? The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world is passing away. And the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. I like how in the Gospel of Mark it says in Mark 8, 36 and 37. For what shall it profit a man? If he will gain the whole world and lose his own soul. So what shall a man get in exchange for his soul? We have to keep our eyes on heaven. This is not our home. We are sojourners. We are pilgrims. And we got to stop as Christians making this place our home. We're just passing through. So we need to keep our eyes on heaven and we need to make sure we keep our eyes off of the world. This is something we, we must do. Let me tell you this story quickly. There was a man at the gas station and he wanted his windshield wipers or windshield clean. And so he asked for the tenant to clean the windshield. Tenant, the attendant came out, cleaned the, the windshield, and it was still dirty. So he says, hey, man, can you not clean my windshield? I asked you to clean the windshield. He said, man, I cleaned the windshield. He said, no, you didn't. Look at all this stuff right here. He said, what are you talking about? Would you please clean the windshield again? So he went over it again, he said, man, what is wrong with you? You can't even do the simple task of cleaning the windshield. He says, man, I've cleaned this thing. I've done this thing. What are you, what are you talking about? 
So we went back and forth a little while. And then the wife, mm, thank God for good wives, right? The wife leaned over and said, the problem is not with the windshield. The problem is with you and your glasses. <laughs> you made all this fuss to this attendant about his perspective that he couldn't uh, clean the windshield when it, when it all was on you. Your perspective was messed up. <laughs> Paul says we got to make sure that our perspective is right. We must maintain a heavenly perspective, and we must get rid of our earthly perspective. Lastly, Paul goes on to verses 3 and 4, and I love again what uh, John Stott said. He said, a Christian mind is a mind which thinks Christianly about everything. Everything. Just think about that. Every, everything that we experience in this life is to be gritted through the lens of Christ and his word. Everything we see, everything we hear needs to be gritted through that. So this third thing, Paul says, not only do we must follow after the things that's important and forget about the things that don't matter. But thirdly, we got to focus on the things of eternity. Let heaven be on our mind as we go about our days and what we do, that, this, that we are on our way to heaven. We are glory bound. Focus on the things of eternity. In other words, lean on your provisions and promises from Christ. Why? They will give you a compass and an anchor for this life. Focus on the things of Eternity. I like what, how Paul put it some time ago. They, they said, Paul, we're going to kill you, Paul. Paul said, to die is gain. Paul, you don't mind dying, huh? No, don't mind dying. Well, Paul, we're going to let you live. You all still don't understand. To live is Christ. So, Paul, you don't mind dying and you don't mind living. Oh, 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 Paul, we got you now. We're going to make you suffer. Paul said, boy, y'all still don't get it. You see, if you kill me, I'm going to be with Christ. If you let me live, I'm going to serve Christ. And if you make me suffer, I'm going to get more rewards with Christ. So bring it on. I'm in a no-losing situation. Because of glory. Because the present sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared to the glory of reward that I shall receive. Verses three and four talks about our resources, our resources. So the first thing we see, we see the resource in Christ, right? Verse three, for you have died and your life is here is hidden with Christ in God. Christ is our resource. He's given us everything we need to know and, and everything we need to be, to, uh, be able to uh, make it in this life. For example, in Philippians 4, 13, we can do all things through Christ who keeps on, what? Strengthening us. 
Philippians 4.19, and God is able to supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. He is our resource. In 1 Corinthians, we see in, in chapter 2, verse 14 through 16, you know what we have been given as people in Christ? We have been given the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. Think about that. The mind of Christ. So that's, where, that's why we don't need to go crazy. That's not why we have to just lose our minds because we've been given as a Christian the mind of Christ. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so that as to instruct him? Here it is. But we Christians, believers in Christ, but we have the mind of Christ. Oh, what a great thing to be reminded of. We have the mind of Christ. And therefore, as a resource in Christ and in God, we can be cheerful about this. In Romans chapter 8, we are reminded of this very thing in verses 34 and following. It says this, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate, separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we understand our resources in Christ. Then we must look forward to the return of Christ. Do you wake up some days and say, even so, Lord Jesus, come now? Yes. I say, I pray now. As I see everything happening in this world, even so, Lord Jesus, come now. Come on, Jesus, come on now. I, they are tripping down here, God. I, I can't take anymore. I'm about to lose my mind up in here, down here. Help me, Lord. You see, we need to keep our eyes on eternity, folks. That's the only way we really make it. Remember in 1 John 3, 2, it says this. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is. Wow. 
When Christ comes and he, he comes for his to rapture the church and then comes and reigns for a thousand years on the earth. I mean, wow. He's talking about glory. He's talking about keeping our eyes on Christ and keeping the right perspective. Because, you know, in heaven, in Revelation 20, there's no more dying. There's no more crying. There's no more heartache. There's no more pain. There's no more chaos. If we keep our eyes on Christ and Christ coming and what is to come for the Christian, we can make it because our lives are nothing but taking a drop of water and taking that drop of water and dropping it into the ocean. That's how small our life is compared to eternity. A drop of water being dropped in the ocean. Wow. Well, anyway, let me close with this. Paul said in Philippians 1, 6, that he that began a good work in us will complete it. The God that saves us is the God that will sustain us, is going to take us all the way to glory. But until that time, let me share with you this last story to encourage you, because sometimes you're saying, Lord, what is going to happen? When are these things going to turn around? Lord, how can I keep making it? Some years ago, there was a missionary who was coming back from the mission field of 40 years. He was coming back on, on the ship into the New York Harbor. And as he arrived, there was this great fanfare that was going on. A large orchestra band was playing and everything else. And while well, he was on the ship with a president. President got off the boat and the dock and all this festivity was happening for the president. And, and here he is. He's been on the on the battlefield. He's been out there for 40 years preaching and teaching the gospel. And he looked around. He didn't see anybody. And so he began to get despaired and like, man, what? I did all these for 40 years and I don't have any fanfare. Nothing is going on for me like like this. And then the Spirit of God said to him this words. You're not home yet. You're not home yet. We're not home yet, folks. But when we get before Jesus, there's going to be rejoicing and praise and worship like no other. Hang in there. Until we see Jesus. Jesus Keep me from losing my mind. Let's pray. God, we thank you in this place. Thank you for these wonderful people. Thank you for the gospel that is preached here Sunday after Sunday. And the people who come and hear this gospel and live this gospel. Bless them, Lord. Lord, help us in our mindsets to be heavenly minded so we can be earthly good. Until we see you, until we get home. We thank you. We pray that if there's someone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, they'll be drawn to you so they can have the reassurance of seeing you in heaven and living with you through eternity and that their sins can be forgiven forever by the Christ who came, died, and was resurrected on the third day. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.